0: faith in in Tom and and Merv, it was his idea, Uh, had the idea at the back end of his his career, it made sense, you know, it was based on the theory that at 90 degrees, the knee, you place the the attachment points for the the ACL at the shortest distance, so that it it has time, if it's slack essentially, those cytokines come into the knee, they send the signals and, and it can find itself again.
1: There's a new and novel protocol for ACLs post rupture, and today we had Dr. Stephen Duhigon, who is a lecturer and researcher at Griffith University. He's also an SNC coach for the Burley Bears, and he shares his story of the Cross Method with his ACL post rupture. This was new and exciting information for me, so I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. My name is Michael Risk, and this is Physio Explained. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for joining us.
0: And thanks for having me.
1: We're talking about a different method of ACL rehab, which you underwent, but I, I want to start with what happened. How did you tear your ACL? Was a couple of years ago
0: now? Yeah, so at the end of 2020, November the 9th, actually, to be exact, playing social soccer, and I think those social sports claim a few ACLs. We were down on the, the field at, at Griffith University, part of their, their Friday afternoon sport, social sport. And it was getting quite heated. We were, uh, it was 2-1, we were down. I was frustrated. I was playing striker and I, I couldn't find the back of the net. And you know, these guys are getting a bit physical and and I don't mind physicality. So, you know, I wanted to get involved as well. And ball went out. So the guy that I actually wanted to put a bit of contact on, passed it to the guy who I wanted it to go to. I then pressed him really fast and hard. He cocked his leg back to kick it to the guy who I was going to just go and, and visit. and. I saw as soon as that leg came back, planted my foot quite heavily, just a complete flat foot. I had studs on. My hip was abducted. My knee was about 20 degrees of flexion, internally rotating, perfect mechanism apart from the anticipation. Usually it's an, an unanticipated change of direction. This was completely planned. I just went hard, ripped, and I just went boom. I didn't hear it. I didn't feel it. But weird enough, it was like my eyes shut and I saw like, a, like this flash and it just dropped me. It dropped me. I, I knew something was wrong. Uh, I hobbled off and um, we lost the game. Funny enough, like it was at the end of the first half. So I watched from the sidelines, the second half. I then got up and, and walked normally back to the car. And I felt terrible. It was like, you know, you we know, were losing. So Steve just fakes an injury so he doesn't have to play. And I felt pretty bad letting the team down. And, you know, it was painful at the start. But then, you know, it completely went away. I drove home. I knew something was up. I thought it might have been meniscus. And then, you know, I went to the GP. He told me, funny enough, I sat down, and this is a GP, mind you, a bulk build as well, so perhaps the quality wasn't quite there. And he tapped the side of my knee, you know, the tibial tuberosity, lateral aspect, the top of it. He asked if it hurt. I said no. And he said, oh, you haven't done your ACL. I was like, oh, Mate, I don't think that's a real... <laughs> Is yeah. that the test? <laughs> I was like, mate, please, can I go and get an MRI? And you, know, you can get them bulk billed. And um, you know, he, he didn't want to, he was hesitant.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but he did, he sent me and, and you know, the, the MRI confirmed I did have a, a complete rupture of my ACL and, and avulsion, ephemeral avulsion also. So it was a good, did a great job.
1: That was your first, your first ACL?
0: My first ACL at the age of 36. Yeah. 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 I've never never had a soft tissue injury. I was in tight hammies. Yeah. That's it, but never done a knee before. Yeah.
1: And then, so you found out, you tore your ACL, and did you see physio or specialist or surgeon at that point?
0: No, I'm fortunate enough. So I'm an academic up at at Griffith University. I did my PhD on hamstring strain injuries and and I've worked in in elite sport and and continue to, to work. In sport i've got lots of colleagues so you know within the sports medicine circle i sent a, a text to, to dr luke eggleston a, a friend a colleague that's a sports physician with the, the gold coast suns the titans semi-australia he's everywhere yeah and, and i asked him you know what what other options do we have other than surgery i, I didn't want to get surgery I, I didn't like you know the the re-rupture rates and i don't like what they do mm. you butcher the knee you use the the tendon of a a knee muscle to fix the knee like it doesn't make sense to me mm-hmm. and you know, we know that there's these ongoing problems you know you can re-rupture or stability issues hamstring issues and I, I just didn't want to go under the knife if i didn't have to so luke, luke informed me that there was this this protocol that they're doing down in sydney one of his colleagues was was leading it by the name of, of dr tom cross who is the the son of the almighty merv cross who we all mm-hmm. know uh, very respected and and he's a member of the order of australia through his is orthopedic surgery so certainly I, I, I took some comfort in the fact that you know these, these guys know what they're doing tom at the time was a the head sports physician at the swans and and he uh he said steve we, we actually had this uh this meeting he was on lord Howe island and the bandwidth was terrible so i didn't really get much of it but he had this really nice lecture you know presentation as like the, a lot of those sports physicians in orthopods do like very good at presenting and speaking, and yeah, he he sold it to me. He part of the presentation I liked is you know back in the days we were living in caves and running around chasing saber toothed tigers. You know it was uh you do your ACL you'd, you'd hobble back you know with your knee bent to the uh, to the cave and you'd lie there for a few days while it healed. That is if uh, that tiger didn't come back and, and eat you or you know some other caveman come along and clubbed you over the head. So yeah. Tom said, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no research. Obviously, I'm, I'm evidence based and I do like a bit of scientific backing. Mm. He said, it's, it's no research. You'll be number 42. You know, we've played around with the protocol. We, we're getting these anatomical heels. There is a criteria that you do have to meet. You can't have any of the bundles flip anteriorly. So, as long as it stays in that, that synovial membrane, there is a tear. They prefer mid substance tear, so proximal third of that ligament to be torn. Mine was an avulsion which raised mm. flags. Yeah. And, and Tom said, look, I'm not confident that yours will heal. We've only had two people through. One had anatomical healing, as he describes it. The other wasn't, wasn't great, wasn't complete heal. I'm a, I'm a punting man. I love it. So I said, mate, let's, let's flip the coin. I'll, I'll give it a go. What's the worst thing that can happen? I I'll put my, my leg in a, in a brace. It was 12-week bracing protocol, it was written at the time. You know, if, if by 12 weeks, week 13, you have the MRI to confirm whether there is any healing. If it hasn't healed, well, then you, you go for surgery if you want it or you, you just continue on with your rehab and, and see whether you're, you're a coper and you, you have those events of instability. So that was the, yeah, the first contact with uh, Dr. Tom. It sounds like the first decision
1: was I want to go conservative management, which is not have the surgery, right? And that's... Yeah. Even though there's no evidence for this protocol yet or that it's developing, there is evidence that conservative can work really well. So that's a good decision, particularly someone of your background. Yeah. At that point, were you feeling like a copa? Were you feeling like your knee was pretty solid or were you collapsing?
0: Oh, yeah. I knew something was wrong. I couldn't extend my knee. Yeah. If I did and I got caught, you know, stepping down or, or stepping up and trying to extend, then, you know, I would feel it it felt like I was walking like an emu. You know, it felt like my knee was bending backwards. Yep. It's such a strange sensation to to then have this this knee that, that's not functioning properly. So, no, it, it, I knew something was seriously wrong. Bit of denial in terms of, oh, it's just going to be my meniscus. Yeah. And, uh, it certainly was not. So, yeah, look, I wasn't, no. At that point in time, I was like, oh, it's done. My knee's gone.
1: Yeah.
0: I was still going to try the conservative approach. You see the. The Scandinavians do have that period of let's see if we can fix it with exercise and, and go from there. I believe Australia is the, the most aggressive when it comes to, to knee surgery, get them under the knife as soon as possible. Mm. Yeah, I, I was a, had faith in, in Tom and Merv. It was his idea. I had the idea at the back end of his, his career. It made sense. You know, it was based on the theory that at 90 degrees the knee – you place the the attachment points for the ACL at the shortest distance, so then you know it has time if it's slack essentially, those cytokines come into the knee, they send the signals and and it can find itself again. So that was the theory. I liked it. I had faith in him. Luke Eggleston had faith in him, so it was it's all about trust, isn't it?
1: I was going to ask it's clear you're making the decision not to get the surgery, but then was there part of you that said, I wanted to do aggressive rehab? versus the cross protocol and how did you make that decision
0: yeah in terms of the rehab like i wanted to explore when it first happened you know I, admittedly i've not had much to do with acl injuries it, it was hamstrings in, until that point
1: hmm.
0: I, I wanted to to see what was around you know explore my options there certainly wasn't much time yeah in terms of the bracing protocol you've got to be in, within that brace in that that 14 days otherwise they, they talk about how it's turned into little stubs because they it heals over essentially so you don't have all that time and tom sold it to me you know like don't don't move and, and i guess from my own mind if it you know if you keep knocking a scab it, it's gonna not gonna heal properly right like you've just gotta let it go and and then let the body go through that that healing process so I, I didn't want surgery i was pretty firm on not wanting surgery but in, yeah in terms of the, the aggressive rehab i Tom sold it to me, so it never. the thought never really... That was enough. in mind, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I, I was thinking, well, even if it didn't heal at the end of the bracing period, you could still do aggressive rehab with a non-healed ACL because we do see people do that. So that's an option as well, I guess.
0: Yes, yeah, and I could see if I was a, a cobra, so I could do that. Or look, even if it didn't work, you know, 12 weeks, three months, thereabouts, you can go and get surgery. So. Yeah. It, the option is there, but as soon as you get surgery, you can then say, oh, maybe I'll try the cross-bracing protocol. So, you know, I think it should be that as long as the tear, the ligament tear meets the, the criteria in terms of its characteristic, I'd say go for the conservative, see if it heals, and then surgery is last resort.
1: Hmm. And then tell us about your rehab. So it was 10 weeks in 90 degrees. You, you told me off-air some of the exercises you did. Yep. Yeah. Can you go over that? But I was also curious, at 90 degrees, were you able to load up in a squat position with any weight on your back or could you not get in that position because you're already at 90 degrees? I was trying to visualize how you might do that.
0: Yeah, so it was four weeks locked at 90 degrees and you got a bit of range. So, yeah. yeah, you throw the brace on. So, like I said, make just make sure, and I just want to disclose this, making sure that you have gone out and found the the appropriate medical care. So, you know, Tom Cross, I think he's pretty busy, but, you know, certainly if you're down in Sydney or, you know, there are others that he, he also has the ability to reach out and and, and um, consult to, but but making sure that, that you seek the, the appropriate medical care in terms of, you know, you're, you're going to be braced, you're, you're going to be immobilising a limb, so you want to make sure that there's no DVT, you know, that there's no clotting in the lower limb. So I actually had to go and get an ultrasound to confirm that. Yeah it's very important you know you need to make sure that the brace you know you do you have stairs you live on a sixth on the sixth level of of an apartment block i mean you know if you get surgery it's going to be pretty hard but your knee is locked for four weeks twenty four seven. you know you're the first night it's a terrible sleep you get better in the shower you got to make sure that you're very careful that you don't bend the the knee
1: yeah
0: you know it's it is difficult. You're on crutches. I had a couple of falls and actually landed in that lunge position on the, the, the brace, and, and yeah. you're, you're three weeks in, and, and you don't know whether, you know, you might have done damage or not. So, you no. know, it's horrible psychologically. But, yeah, first four, you're locked. And, look, the first week I, I didn't do anything. And, um, I was just sort of getting used to the, the brace. You're on warfarin, so, you're, you know, some some blood thinners, very strong anticoagulants. So, In in terms of one of the methods that I wanted to use, blood flow restriction, occlusion training, katsu, whatever you want to call it, the gentleman that that, um, invented this type of of training, and I think also that delicious curry that they have, that katsu. Same guy. (laughs) It's a sort of talented man. So, yeah, blood flow restriction, essentially, you know, you, you, you occlude the limb. Blood, there's a couple of ways, complete, blood can't get in or out or partial. Blood can get in, it can't get out. So we have these metabolites build up, you know, with these chemo receptors. essentially that's the stimulus for hypertrophy. So I couldn't uh, do anything. I was just doing co-contractions of the, the quad and hamstring. I was doing a heap of plantar flexion, dorsiflexion, mm-hmm. some hip stuff as well. So I was doing blood flow restriction once a day, at least once a day, and sort of it's until it's tolerated. So, you know, three minutes is what I was starting with, and it actually got up to nine minutes quite fast. Most days it was twice a day. Uh, I was was really making sure that I was trying to keep that muscle, reduce the the amount of atrophy because I wanted to return as quickly as possible, like very active, lived on the Gold Coast, surf, play footy, skate, run. Like I love it. I've got three children, so it's it's something that I like to do. So I wanted to be really aggressive, if you like, with that rehab. So the blood flow restriction I think worked a treat, and I continued that throughout that whole 12-week period. Interesting enough, I had access to a Dexter up at the uni, and um, there was no difference between the amount of uh, muscle mass in those limbs after that, that 12-week period. So I did a pretty good job, I think, with wow. reducing the, the atrophy. Yeah.
1: Four weeks you were locked, but you said after four weeks you got a bit of range. Was that enough range to say do a mini squat with something on your back?
0: So week five you get 30 degrees, and it's still locked you can't get it past 90. Yeah. You get 30 degrees. And, and even then, like I stayed away from the open chain exercise until week 17. I really wanted to make sure that that, that, that ligament had completely healed. You know, mm. it was very much in its infancy of reforming and, and strengthening. So I didn't do any knee extension until week 17, but I was very aggressive, you know, with the cross educational stuff, we're going really hard on the, the uninjured limb to try to get that, that crossover effect. I was still as much as possible, you know, and instead of doing the co-contraction quad hamstring, I was then doing just my knee extension, knee flexion with the blood flow restriction. So okay. I think it worked to treat in terms of keeping that that muscle mass. It's amazing.
1: And just to wrap up, you're saying that there's some early research coming out on this. Do you, how much do you know about that? And what are the results looking like?
0: Yeah, yeah. So there, there is a case, uh, case series. So I was number 42 in the world who have done the, the bracing protocol. So S- Dr Stephanie Philbay from the University of Melbourne is leading that. She's an absolute gun of a researcher. I think she publishes about 300 articles a year. She's I mean, <laughs> she a, a weapon. She's so intelligent. She's leading that from a, an academic perspective. She's the, the first author. They took, I think it was about two and a half, three years of, of data collection so, yeah, it's really promising in terms of the protocol and seeing these anatomical heals.
1: Yeah, amazing. Stephen, thank you so much for your time and sharing a bit of a potentially new and novel way to rehab an ACL conservatively. Super exciting. We'll have to keep our eye out for it. Thank you again, mate. Thank you for sharing the story too.
0: No worries. Thanks for having me.